Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Kevin and Chuck. Um, before we get started today, I do have a badass pro tip for you. And, and this one, I gotta say, could save you a lot of back pain and, and, uh, you know, shoulder pain. So let let me, let me get started for you. If you decide for the weekend that you're going to put up 600 feet of fencing and drop a thousand dollars, cause that's what you like to do. Don't piss your wife off when you go to Lowe's because all of a sudden you're doing that shit all by yourself. And that has not been a fun weekend for me. I don't know how they always seem to get offended and pissed off right when you're about to do. Right when you need to do some work. I'm like, God damn it. So anyway, just a little advice for you. You want to, when you need the help, you need to be nice. Be nice. Just right. saying, little pro tip for you. Yeah. All right. And you can pretend so, to be nice for, for 15 minutes or so, you know? Sometimes that's all it takes. It, it, it takes a lot out of me, but, you know, I'm just saying, that <laughs> might be in the future. Now, I haven't pulled it off yet where I don't uh-huh. piss them off. I've actually gone the other way. But, I mean, that's what I'd recommend for you, right? So, mm-hmm. just saying. All right. Anyway, um, today, here we go. The uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is about corruption in government. Um, not so much that we need to vote the right way or donate money or pass laws, but understanding the government's purpose and understanding that you need to be protecting yourself because your government is not exactly looking out for you and your best interests. Turns out lobbyists might have a little bit more effect or more pull than you might have imagined. 
Um, a long time ago, a million years ago, when I went to high school, uh, you know, I was taught that we live in a representative republic. And what I was told that that means is that it's basically a democracy with representatives. However, what makes it a representative republic is that we're within, held within the confines of the Constitution. The idea was supposed to be that the, the Constitution would limit the government from getting out of control and too big and too, you know, too beholden to the lobbyists is really what ended up being the issue. And I think that's kind of what their purpose was. They didn't see lobbyists, but I think they were more afraid of, uh, you know, the government serving themselves and, you know, just being, uh, hey, whatever I can do to get more money and more cash in my pocket or more control and power over people, then that's what we're going to do. So they set up a system where the government is very limited. Obviously, the words in society keep changing all the time. I think you guys all know that. We see it everywhere we go and we look. We see that we keep on changing the words. The words are offensive. Um, when I searched it now, I was looking for a good definition of representative republic. And everywhere I went, including U.S. government websites, they've changed it from a representative republic to a representative democracy. And that's not really the case of what it was founded as. And I don't know who officially changed it and when it happened, but they didn't let me know. Um, but the idea is um, a, a representative democracy, they say, is where basically we send representatives to Washington to go do whatever the mob wants, you know, whatever the majority of the people. I don't think they call the majority of the people a mob, but... The way I see them on the news, I think they're a mob. Um, so anyway, uh, let's kind of get into it and uh, and see some of the things we're talking about here. Um, well, I guess one of the first thing is let's talk about the lobby industry. Um, it turns out the uh, the uh, lobby industry, the top two hundred companies that are out there that and and by top two hundred. What I mean is the 200 companies that spend the most money on lobbying ended up spending $1.8 billion on, or no, sorry, $5.8 billion. I cannot talk today. $5.8 billion influencing our government. And out of that $5.8 billion, those same companies got $4.4 trillion in taxpayer support. Um, this is a over a, a five year study that like ended in about 2019, and you can go that's to a, a pretty, uh, that's a pretty good return on your uh, investment there. Yeah, th there's a website uh, representus.think.org. Uh, oh, it's act.represent.us that uh, I got this, and they cite where all that came from. You know, and and I looked into it. And uh, they they pretty much, I mean, it, it's a good broad analysis. You know, I don't know that that to the penny they, they've got it worked out, but that seems to be the gist. But that's the bottom line. They end up spending, you know, all this money to influence things. And then you're thinking, well, my opinion matters, though, right? 
when I vote and donate money for the right guy and do the thing, it's going to matter on the outcome. And I'm going right. to, you know, well, it turns out Princeton University wanted to get to the bottom of that. There was a guy, Professor Martin Gillens, who uh, mm-hmm. did a study. And the study, I think, ended in 2017. But this is actually a, they used 20 years worth of data. And they went back and they wanted to figure out how much influence public opinion has over, uh, you know, over a, a, uh, a over a political issue. Right. So what they did is they and, and they have a chart and they put in all the data and you can see it in a graph. You can look up this study. I just typed in uh, Princeton study on uh, on uh, representation and it came right up. So it, it won't be hard for you guys to find. But anyway, point is, basically, if something had like 5% of popular support or less, that that bill would have a 30% chance of passing. And if a a bill had 95% or more of public support, it had a 30% chance of passing. Turned out we have no effect whatsoever on whether a bill passes. It turns out you got to be a lobbyist if you want that kind of effect. Now they did say, if you were in the top percent of it, top 10% of income earners, Mm -hmm. then you had like a 5%, you know, effect on it. But usually that was through your business and your whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it turns out you just need a shit ton of cash or you need to start lobbying politicians. Or I think Kevin, you know something about uh, you just hand them $90,000 or a hundred thousand dollars to put in their freezer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. No, that was a that was a, a classy one. That was um, a guy from that was uh, William Jefferson. I think he was from Louisiana. He was a congressman, and uh, there's a local uh, tech company that wanted to get uh, their tech being used by uh, government militaries, the U.S. military, mm-hmm. but also foreign militaries, and uh, so they just started fucking giving him giving him cash. And what they were doing was his wife and children had a business. And so they would pay the cash to the business. Then he would keep the cash, but he just got a little bit sloppy with it. And the FBI recorded a video of him taking a briefcase from somebody else that had a hundred thousand dollars in it. And then he wrapped it up in aluminum foil in $10,000 packs and opened up frozen food boxes. Was it lean cuisine? Like I don't know. Might have been hot pockets. I don't know. Okay, but he stacked them in there in his freezer, and uh, you know, then the FBI came to his house, and you know, got a warrant and came in his house and found it all in the freezer. To me, that seems like a pretty good hiding spot. You know what I mean? If you're going to want to be able to access it, I mean, if if you're willing to like say I'm not going to get to it for you know for a year or two, and you're not greedy then you could find right. a good spot to hide some money where you can get access to it, which won't be easily found in your fucking freezer. But well, yeah. you know, what do I know about hiding massive amounts of cash? Well, I think Nobody if they it. saw you, if they saw you take the brick face full of cash, uh-huh. they're going to, they're going to look till they find it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like, Oh, we came in. No, I don't see it. Fuck it. He didn't have it. Uh-huh. We, we, they see it. They watch you go into the house with it. 
that's kind of somebody's gonna get to the bottom of that one of the things uh so we all know that like bills are giant remember pelosi had her uh we have to pass it to find out what's in it it's so big with the health affordable care act right? right um some of you guys know it as Obamacare, right? Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, things are so big and people end up just adding on, you know, pork after pork. And the idea is, well, all right, I'll vote for your shady idea that's going to get you money from your supporters if you let me put in my secret thing that has nothing to do with health care. You know, I right. didn't look up any examples of that and I probably should have, but, you know, I did a lot of research already and whatever. But I mean, we see that there are things that are completely unrelated in a bill that just kind of get attached to it because they want to pass it along and keep things moving. Now, they make an argument that, well, we're trying to get so much done in gar- government, we have to do a bunch of things at once. But it makes it so that the bills don't really represent and you're conflicted. You know, I know I always used to get annoyed with uh, Rand Paul because he wouldn't vote for a bill because he'd be like, well, yeah, but there's these 10 shitty things in there. And he'd be absolutely right. right. There are 10 shitty things in there. But as a whole, I felt like, well, more good is coming out of it than those 10 shitty things. But it's just such a big convoluted mess. Obviously, this right. isn't the way the system should be. Things should be one page. Hey, let's vote on this. Do we want this? Right. Yes or no? All right. How about this next one? Right. And we could break down the parts, you know? Yeah. And, if, you know, if you look at the Bill of Rights, you know, each one of those bills is like two sentences, three sentences right. long. None of yeah. them are complicated and they're easily understood. You can read the entire Bill of Rights in about 20 minutes, you know? And... and- in your and mind, you're thinking based right. on these simple things, but no, now a bill passes and it's, you know, instead of three sentences long, it's, you know, 3000 pages. Right. And you but know, it, just, it's nobody can read all that shit. You know what I think? Here's what I think. I think they should have to be handwritten. Mm, I like Maybe that. that's why they were all so short back in the day. Cause they were like, Oh, oh look, I, this is what I want to say. I don't need to, you know, they're get writing, crazy. They're writing with quills. They had to keep dipping it in the ink every letters. That's it. They got to, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that's maybe where we need to go is, is back to the quill pen and say, if you yeah, can't do you know, it with this, it's not going to happen. I think it's interesting. If you look at copies of the, the uh, Declaration of Independence or the uh, yeah. Constitution, you can see where like somebody misspelled the road or word and they're like, fuck it. I've ri- already written like half the page. I'm just going to scribble it out and keep writing. I'm just going with that. That doesn't even matter. Uh, but that's so. So like we used uh, to. Yeah. Just go ahead. checking Mr. Jefferson. Do you think that we should capitalize every word when we write this or every <laughs> other word? I don't, I'm not sure. Like the capitalization in those things are ridiculous too. Because I already started capitalizing every other word. <laughs> right. <laughs> just words that I felt were important. I just capitalized right. it. My kid always tells me, uh, like with texting, well, it's like you're shouting. And I'm like, when yeah. You, write capital letters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, they cry when I send them a text and it's all capital words. You were shouting at me. I'm like, well, <laughs> no, it was, it was just Settle the text. <laughs> yeah. the, the button stuck. Yeah. Now, in your mind, you might be thinking, well, yeah, but 
we have to explain such complicated stuff. So if we're doing the Affordable Care Act, we need to tell you every part, you know, so that because we have so many intricate details. But that's not the case, it turns out. They don't even say. They all say, like, to be determined by the health and, you know, it's supposed to be implemented, however the hell, by the department. That doesn't get explained in the bill. It's just long because we're just putting in so many bullshit ideas that no health and human services person would ever come up with. We're like, oh, but we should put in that everybody has to buy these things from this person and everybody has to, you know, whatever stupid lobby thing we want. Now, one of the ways around it um, was Ronald Reagan had an idea, and I'm sure he probably didn't come up with it himself, but with the line item veto. Now, he tried to get this done, and it actually never happened under his administration. But later, under Bill Clinton, they passed the line item veto. I, I actually thought that Reagan had got it done, but when I looked it up, turns out. So it was like 95, somewhere in there. And uh, Bill Clinton got the uh, line item veto. Now, believe it or not, somehow they decided that was unconstitutional. And I could kind of see how you could get there. Um, cause they're like, well, they pass something and you're, you know, just selecting which parts you want. But the right. idea I mean, is I, it shouldn't be huge to begin with. Yeah, it, it should, hypothetically, it should have the line item veto, but then have to go back to Congress and start over again. And that's yeah. not how it works. Right. And so. it just, I, I understand. I mean, it's a big convoluted mess. Um, so some of the other examples, I mean, there's so many industries you think of where lobbyists, you know, affect it. The one, it's funny, we were just reading, uh, my, my wife's very into like history and, and stuff about like local governments. I think she's more in, into the history of people, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the social aspect of it. And we we're looking at, uh, you know, a lot of the farms and things around in the area. And she was on the, the, town website and the county website and so most of the farms around where i live were all tobacco farms and she's like you know that's weird that i mean i understand it grows good here but why would you have like everything just be tobacco farms when lots of other things grow good here right right so it turned out the and the u the usda the department of agriculture was guaranteeing tobacco crops. They said, if you grow tobacco crop and it fails, we'll subsidize you and pay you. That's lobbyists that made that happen. You know, Uh they gave them, they were able to buy discounted and on government credit tobacco seeds and able to do their whole thing. So the government creates an industry to build up tobacco and make it great. And then now we're going after the tobacco companies and going, look, you guys gave everybody cancer. The government was doing it. I'm like, wait a minute. It was for your good, for all of our own good. All us poor farmers were able to, you know, somehow make it work because the government had our back. And now we're like, look at evil tobacco. But again, it's mm-hmm. all lobbyists. It's all, hey, what do people want? You know, I can go bribe a politician and I say bribe, you know, there's legal ways to do it. Turns out, as an individual private citizen, you can only donate so much money to a politician. Look at like Dinesh D'Souza and he, he ended up like going to jail. Actually, I think he did time in jail for, cause he like accidentally gave like 
I guess what had happened is I think they have a limit of $2,500 you can donate to a campaign. And his friend wanted to donate money to the campaign. And so he gave his friend the $2,500 basically. And then they donated it. And they were like, look, you donated twice. Which to be honest, the intent of the law, I think he was wrong. I mean, you know, the way when you look at it like that, that is shady. I mean, you're getting around you know, a loophole, but obviously he only got caught and punished because of who he is and whatever. But besides that, that's what people do though, is you have so little influence as an individual, but when you're a lobbyist, that's completely different. They can donate and do all kinds of shit. They can make all these packs and different things, you know, where you run campaign ads and they're like, we're not affiliated with the candidate. But it turns out we hate the other candidate and these are all the bad things the other candidate did and we're going to pay all this money. You can even like, you know, I think the campaign like writes these ads. Now, supposedly they're not supposed to have any connection. They are supposed to be completely, but I feel like secretly they do. But who knows? Who knows? Um, so think about like VA healthcare. That one's just a disaster. Um, the, uh, the, the, the way that they run things there, I, I don't know. I, it just is disgusting. And then they were like, that's the example. Let's do the affordable care act. Cause if we control everything, it'll be great. Just like the VA, you know, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you had stories. I had from, yeah. I had a yeah. friend that worked for the VA hospital. Uh, his job yeah. was to sell VA made health videos to VA run hospitals yeah. And which just basically meant that people went online and ordered the specific video and he sat at his desk and watched porn all day. He made that about $6,000 a year. It's not an easy industry to uh, get into. You you work yeah. for the VA, you're, you're, you're in, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it, man. It's a good spot. I don't know. Now let's, let's yeah. talk about my favorite Governor Cuomo up there in New York. Yeah. This is, I, I just basically wanted to give you some examples. I don't, I don't want to just be like, see, government's corrupt. Go Before ahead. Before you even start on Cuomo, let me just clarify that he ran on an anti-corruption campaign when he was running for election. Well, they got rid of Elliot Spitzer. Yeah. Was that Andrew Cuomo's doing? Because he got it. Yeah, he got a I, lot of pussy. Uh, Elliot Spitzer for somebody that was yes. always fucking talking about, you know, being moral and upright. And that yeah, uh, he was, he was like a, a shrewd of a guy. I mean, he just, you look at him and, and I guess my, my wife's had several dealings with him in, in New York and was always like, yeah, he's the creepiest perv there ever was Elliot Spitzer. But, yeah. uh, so he, uh, this guy had like a whole state police task force going after prostitution and, and all this stuff. And he was so, you know, adamant about it and then ended up gotten taken down because he got busted at a, uh, at a, with, with high end call girls. Right. And like had like the regular girl and everybody wanted to stick it to him with like, yeah. Cause the girl came out and said he wouldn't use a condom and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and he was, and he was just most, like, man. you're just like, oh dude, I don't want to know. That's just, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we actually, we had this like Lieutenant governor who 
I don't know. He seemed like a nice enough guy, but he had a hard time with it. He was blind. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. That, that took I over. what his uh, name was. Yeah. I don't remember. But, I mean, he was short-term. He actually started out promising for a minute or two and then just kind of went along to get along, you know. And he had some big ideas in the beginning, and then they probably got some dirt on his family or something, and then he was like, <laughs> all right, I'm just going to play the game. And, yeah. But then Cuomo swoops in and and whatever, yeah. So, I, yeah, whether Cuomo had some influence with the attorney general to take down Spitzer, I don't know. But I know that he moved in, you know, right after and, and yeah. took over. But anyway, our, our point is, is that Cuomo had this big nursing home scandal you're hearing about. Now, obviously, he has the the I'm inappropriate with young ladies after I went after Spitzer for being inappropriate with young ladies. Right. But And there's a big picture on the front of the New York Times with him holding that girl's face. That girl's face? I saw that. And she is looking very uncomfortable. Yes. You know, yes, the, I would all agree. the accusations against him with that in regards to that are very believable. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt in my fucking mind that he's a fucking creepy gross asshole. Yeah, but, he's just he's a control freak, you know, and then yeah. and you know, people who like to be in the control, they they like to dominate and try and control women and it's just bad. It's just a bad, you know, situation. But so anyway, so what what really comes to light with Cuomo? Because I mean, it's sad that we dismiss the the sexual allegations because they're so prevalent in Washington, and with mm-hmm. controlled power freaks, you know that they're all over. It's just it's kind of out of the scope of the the podcast today, but definitely is a pig, and we can all agree that he's a pig. Yeah, we but, could probably do an entire podcast on on pervy politicians you know oh oh yeah nobody'd want to listen to that it's just gross yeah we could have the the pervy politician update if you guys want to start a little chain on the facebook group i wouldn't fault you you know if you're like here's another pervy politician um so anyway what cuomo did was uh he had the nursing homes and Remember, he was the big hero and and he had the campaign and said he was going to go around to other states and tell them how to fight COVID because he did such a good job because he's awesome. And we could all learn from Cuomo. But the idea is, is he uh, had bigger aspirations that we believe he wanted to be president. Right. Mm -hmm. So he thought if he looked like the great leader and, you know, he had that kind of Giuliani moment where he steps Mm -hmm. in and. You know, because Giuliani was our uh, mayor in New York City, and when nine eleven happened, he really stepped up and and kind of brought the people together. I know he came across a little crazy uh, working with the Trump campaign there, but if you knew him back in the day, he was actually uh, he was as good as New York could get. Because we have a, a hard time finding good politicians in New York. That's that's all I can say. But so anyway, he uh, Cuomo went out and was like, hey look, I'm, I'm setting the standard here. I have so low uh, nursing home deaths because that, that is really where people were having the highest deaths initially and, and the big problems. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of right. wiping out nursing homes. Well, it turned out he just totally lied. I mean, there was no way around it. He just made it up. So what he did, the way he got around it was they had about 6,000 deaths 
inside the physical building. And that's what he reported inside nursing homes. Mm -hmm. But every other state was reporting it as if people were at a nursing home and they got rushed to the hospital because they were so bad and they died later at the hospital, they were still counted as nursing home deaths. And this was the comparison and the formula they were doing. Well, Cuomo, if they weren't in the building, he just didn't count them. So it ended up being like 6,033 deaths or something, as opposed to 9,500 and something or another. But those were the numbers. The nursing home in my town was basically wiped out. I think they had like 500 people there. And in one month, we had 123 deaths. And I think the vast majority were from that physical nursing home. Like, yeah, just no, like it was bad, <clears throat> and it's, and I think they call it the boomer doomer. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's classy. Then the thing is, what made it more disgusting is that the president, who you know everybody had their problems with, whatever, um, had set up the Javits Center with all these hospital beds and doctors coming from the federal government, and they had. The uh, that ship Mercy that they rolled in and they had all these beds and Cuomo was like, we don't need your help. We don't want anything to do with you because he basically Mm -hmm. wanted it to look like Trump was an idiot and Trump just did stupid things and anything with him. You know, that wasn't going to be what saved New York. So Mm -hmm. the guy deliberately turned down help at the expense of all these people. Now, how many would have been saved if he had utilized that? I don't know. It may have been almost none. It may, you know, we don't really know. But the idea is his arrogance and his bravado is what, you know, made him make this choice. And I guess that's our point, is that people tend to, in government, tend to act in their self-interest and their own vanity. Because really, by definition, wanting to be a politician usually means you're kind of power hungry. You know, that's why George Washington was supposed to be so great was because he didn't want to be president. You know, right. that's what made him good. Yeah, that's what makes a good poly- a good statesman, is somebody yeah. that doesn't actually want the job, but just ends up having to do it anyway. But, you know, that that's similar to what happened in Flint, Michigan. I did a little bit of research on that. So Okay. <clears throat> so uh, what happened was they, they switched sources from getting their water from Detroit to getting it from the Flint River. And they were doing this to save money because they were paying Detroit so much money for their water. They thought right. they'd get it cheaper. So they spent like $13 million. And Flint already has like, you know, the median income is like $16,000 a year. There's that nothing hurts. but poor people there. It's just a poor, poor city. And so they spent a large portion of money switching over. But what they didn't want to do was update any of the plumbing or update the water plant that had been out of use for 20 years. So they just kept, you know, went back to using it, didn't replace any of the equipment, and it was all just old, shitty stuff. And what happened was the, the water wasn't being filtered properly. Okay. And it started corroding the pipes. And what happened first was uh, Legionnaire, Legionnaire's disease started spreading. Now, Legionnaire disease, that's something that you, it, you get it from breathing in water mist that has right. the, the legionella bacteria in it right and it, usually it's from like forced air ventilation with bad right. things in it and the humidity and yeah yeah so in this situation what happened was people the the 
Legionnaire, Legionella uh, bacteria was growing in the corrosion of the pipes, you know, in the, you know, in the little pockets and stuff there. And then people were taking showers and that breathing in that misty water huh. and getting Legionnaire's disease. But it was they said it wasn't from the water. They said it was there was an outbreak and they covered it up. They said it's, you know, not related to the same thing. So okay. people started get, dying from Legionnaire's disease. Then they people started getting uh, other people. Now it's a it's an uncommon disease. So most yeah. of the people were just dying from a pneumonia. They didn't know right. that it was out there. Finally, they found somebody that had Legionnaire disease and they started testing everybody. And it turns out everybody had this illness. So they covered that up. They didn't, they said it came from someplace else. It came from the hospital, whatever. People started complaining about their water being dirty. And the, as the, this went on, the corrosion started leaching uh, lead from the pipes into the water. So there's about six to 12,000 children that were directly affected by drinking this, this lead water. Now, what lead does, it's a neurotoxin. And when you consume it as a child specifically, it makes right. you have issues learning. And it also gives you issues with uh, aggressive behavior. So what you end up doing is having a whole community with a bunch of violent, stupid people in it. And that's not really good for anybody. No, that isn't. So uh, so they, they covered this up because they didn't want to look stupid that they wasted this $13 million to run this piping. And... Uh, 15 people are facing charges right now. One was convicted. They, she got a, a $1,200 fine. So that's, you know, that's terrible for her. I'm sure she'll never recover from that. And uh, the statute of limitations for any other convictions or any other uh, stuff ran out in 2020. So most of the people that, that fucked over these kids and fucked over this community, they're, they're never going to be tried or convicted for anything. Um, and they, you know, they basically got away with it. It only caused, you know, uh, anywhere between 6,000 to, you know, 100 to 6,000 deaths, um, several hundred stillborn births, and uh, and uh, massive amounts of people died from pneumonia that was never confirmed to be Legionnaire's disease, Legionnaires. even though pneumonia... Even though, even though the pneumonia was like 10 times of any surrounding community. So, you know, sometimes you can get away with it. Just don't look stupid, you know? Fuck all those kids. At least you didn't look bad. Um, then my uh, my favorite one, though, is, is Jesse Jackson Jr. Now, he got in trouble. I don't think he really did anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong that any red-blooded American would, wouldn't do. Oh, yeah. He took, He's just one of the people. Yeah. He took $750,000 worth of campaign donations and spent it on himself not getting elected. So these are people that donated to his election because they thought they rep <laughs> represented their beliefs. But, right. Um, so, I mean, that was that was their money. It, at least he didn't steal it from all the taxpayers. So that's something, you know. Right. I mean, but, this was somebody who said, I like this guy. And then mm -hmm. he robbed you. So... Yeah, you so know it's kind of you get you get what you deserve for being well, a bad wait. judge of character. Okay. Wait, no, because this he spent the money wisely. He didn't just throw it away. Okay. He bought um, a lot of amazing stuff. So he got uh, cashmere capes. I mean, yes. how's he going to go to political uh, events 
without, you know, looking looking yeah, like a I feel like that makes a legitimate campaign expense. Right. Rolex watches, mink coats for his wife, uh you Michael gotta look Jackson, good. Michael Jackson Fedora. Yeah. Who doesn't want to own Michael Jackson's Fedora? That obviously is something that's worth spending campaign donations. But when money. you're when you're on the campaign poster and you're rocking the Michael Jackson Fedora. Uh-huh. Yeah. With your cash. That's how pay. you get that's how you win. That's how you win elections. That's how you um, win elections. He also bought a lot of uh Jimi Hendrix and Bruce Lee memory memorabilia with it. Yeah. So I mean these are all legitimate per- purchases. You know, I feel like this is important stuff. And everybody should own these things. You know? I've often wanted a pair of Bruce Lee's personal nunchucks. Mm-hmm. And and who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Right. I feel right. like he he ended up he had to go to prison for 30 months and it sounds like a good trade-off yeah i'd trade that and uh his his wife went to jail for for tax fraud because she was trying to cover up the the shit so what they it's did is about the cover-up yeah when they yeah that's always what it is it's always the cover up that fucks people but what they did was they had to go to jail at separate times so that the kids would always have a parent in the home that's fair yeah. They don't afford that same uh, uh, decency to, to poor people. That's just rich people that get to do that sort of stuff. Though. All right. That's fair. No, not bad. I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, we, we had a lot of topics we can kind of dig into, but I think you get the idea that it's over and over again. I mean, these, you think of when, like why people pay lobbyists and, you know, I was looking at one that was like car insurance and, it was all, I was like, you know, how they're the second highest industry of uh, lobbyists, you know, dollars spent, right, is, mm-hmm. is car insurance. And I was like, what could they be freaking asking for? But, I mean, it's like stupid shit. So, like, they wanted the government to pass a law in California where basically everybody who didn't have a four-year college degree – had to pay 25% more because they're obviously not responsible people. Ah, and then they right. were like, well, that's that's just racist as fuck. You just can't do okay. that, you know? But, I mean, these are the kind of things that they're out there that our government is wasting time and effort on. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's really what concerns me, you know, is the fact that we require... I mean, I get some kind of basic liability insurance kind of needing, you know, man, I don't want people to be drunk drivers and whatever. And there's got to be consequences for committing crimes, you know, where your irresponsibleness, you know, has consequences that whatever. But I feel like if everybody had $20,000 in liability, that's really kind of enough. You know, you pay for the other guy's car and who cares? Now, obviously, you can break somebody's leg. They can never work, you know, for six months. Their family starves, whatever. There's got to be stiff penalties for people's recklessness. But that's not on everybody to, you know, to foot that burden. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we want to be protected from crazy. But you can't. You can't always protect people from crazy. It's not how it works. You know, yeah, it sucks if somebody comes up and shoots you in the street. But that doesn't really have anything right. to you do don't get with money back 
for that. They go to jail and, and you, you know, it's like, it's not like everybody should carry insurance just in case I go shoot somebody on the street. Well, you know, I could just come up and shoot you and then you, you might not be able to provide for your family and your family would be out a million dollars. Well, yeah. And that sucks. And we got to, you know, kind of do something about that. And that's why we have police and, and, you know, different things, but that's the, the thing is, is it just keeps building and anything that kind of might be a good idea. People are like, well, we should have a law about that. We should have a law about that. And it just keeps building and expanding and getting out of control. Now, my point is, if you remember way back to the beginning of the episode here, I kind of said, no matter what we do, we really don't have an influence on what our politicians do. Because we just don't have the money and the resources. Um, I mean, obviously, we should be voting for politicians that we believe are going to be the closest to our values. But I think, I mean, the the glaring sign that I see says, I need to be uh, looking out for myself. And I need to be doing the steps to take care of my family and providing for my family and protecting my family. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm going to keep voting the right way. I'm going to do, you know, the right things to take the steps and I'm going to write the letters and, and whatever. But the answer is you need to find a way to take care of yours. You need to find a way to protect your family. And that's why I felt it was so appropriate, you know, in this, in, uh, you know, the survival and basic badass podcast to talk about it. Cause honestly, the stuff that the government's doing a lot of it's working against you and it's taking the money you can use to protect, you know, to take care of your family, to spend on nonsense. But it also mm-hmm. is a glaring sign that you need to get your house in order, that you need to be able to take care of yourself because the government is not looking out for your interests. They're looking out for their own and they're not really taking care of you. You need to take care of you. You are responsible for you and your family. And that's it. Anything? You're good? That's all I got, man. Kevin, all Kevin's got. So you have uh, ideas, show topics, things you want to hear about, things you want to learn about, things you think we need to tell other people about. You can email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, you appreciate the podcast and enjoy it. You can uh, support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slant preppingbadass. Otherwise, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.